0: The Lord be with, and be with you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed. We gather for ordered worship here to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. This liturgy with music and homily are offered here. In the praise of God for our gathered congregation in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions about forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us come Sunday. As we pursue the journey of Advent, this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. May we pray. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated distracted sometimes or sometimes forgetful or just plain tired. We neglect to do something we mean to do or should do or want to do. Sometimes sin is as simple as neglecting to do something with or for somebody when we know we should, we could, and we would like to. Here, lament and compunction help us. They are utterly human feelings. They remind us of who we most want to be and what we mean to do. The preparation prayer penitence of Advent make us ready for God's action in Christ and for ours through him. As our choir guides us, let us pray. mercy upon us Christ have mercy upon us Lord have mercy upon us beloved hear the good news if we confess our sins God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all
1: unrighteousness thanks be to God a lesson from the second book of Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 through 11 and 16 now when the king was settled in his house and the Lord was given him rest from all his enemies around him. The king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture. From following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The word of the Lord.
2: Please join together in reading the Magnificat with the Antiphon. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered
3: the proud and the thoughts of
2: their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich into He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy.
3: Blessed are the poor and needy, for God's
2: kingdom is theirs. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
4: gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy
0: People imagine proposals and weddings in this season. Often the images are of cities, bright lights, jewelry, red dresses, handsome ties, and mink coats. But Samuel tells of a shepherd king raised in the country, taken from the pasture. Mary sings of low estate and filling the hungry with good things, she herself being unexpectedly with child. And Luke recalls the north country, Galilee, small town Nazareth, an ex-urban story, hmm. Country, unexpected birth. North country, north of the city, story, hmm. It reminds me. In the early 1980s, we were appointed, stationed an hour and a half west of Montreal, in the country, up north. We lived in a large, ungainly and drafty country parsonage, You knew it was a parsonage because on the front of the house there was a sign to the left of the porch door which read, Methodist Parsonage, (laughs) just so you know. Whether the sign was meant to apologize for the -the down-at-the-heel condition of the house or was meant as a point of clarification about ownership or was, as it certainly proved to be, meant as a guide for hobos in need of sandwiches as they drifted through that little town, no one ever said. But it was more than adequate, more than reasonably adequate for two young parents and two little children and one child on the way. It was our second parsonage. Our first parsonage in Ithaca was once the home of Pearl Buck. Our third in Syracuse was a street from the homes of Raymond Carver and Tobias Wolfe. Our fourth home was down the street from the Rochester grave of Frederick Douglass and not far from that of Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And now we live near the offices of Robert Pinsky and Rosanna Warren. But this, the second parsonage, was in the town immortalized by Laura Ingalls Wilder in her book, Farmer Boy, the birthplace and home of her husband, Almanzo Wilder, just six miles from the Canadian border. Words have fed us and feed us still. As my friend said, Of his own liberation. Words were my way out. We have no excuses not to scour the earth and the scripture, the heavens, time and place, for words fitly spoken, for they are like apples, apples, apples ripening in the sun. The parsonage was big enough with two living rooms and an ample dining room to accommodate some 75 people at one time. We had learned this and this number because on the previous Maundy Thursday, the heat in the church had failed at 10 below zero. So the service of Holy Communion that evening was convened in the Parsonage with hymns played on the baby grand piano and people scattered from couch to kitchen to pantry to stairs to windowsill. One elderly gentleman sat with the minister's wife accompanist right on the piano bench. I think he felt honored. Most later agreed that it was not only the coziest but easily the most memorable communion service they could recall. Sometime well after the snow had begun to cover the farms and valleys of Burke, New York, sometime after November 1st that is, the minister had a phone call from a neighboring farmer. The man asked whether the preacher would conduct a wedding for a non-member. Certainly he would, and he had, and the farmer knew this as well as the preacher, so the question in the air or over the phone line was the unspoken question, just what are we talking about? Well North Franklin County is not a place of endless talk. There is in fact little said week by week, month by month, in the North Country. And most there would agree that this is the way things should be, allowing as how most things said don't need saying at all, and those that do need saying need better saying than they mostly get. I personally knew a beautiful young couple, prosperous potato farmers with two children for three years and never once heard the husband say a single word. The preacher is also allowed and expected to talk, there being, I guess, some uncertainty about how to think about the clergy in this and in other regards. But even so, the briefer the better, if you please, Pastor. Wordless wisdom up north compared favorably with the loquacious knowledge we had known in Ithaca in the days of Carl Sagan and Hans Bethe. Mile by mile, going north, surprisingly, Wisdom, if not knowledge, increased along with kindness. In any event, after a long while of hemming and hawing and not saying, the minister wrangled out of the farmer that the farmer's hired man wanted to get married. Actually, he needed to get married. He wanted to get married, but he also was in a situation where he needed to get married, too. This took the not usually talkative farmer a long while to explain because he did not directly explain what he was trying to explain. Phrases like unexpected circumstance and things moving pretty fast and sometimes these things happen and they are really good young folks. Were clearly spoken, but their actual footing on planet Earth was hard or not possible to ascertain. Finally, the preacher said simply, send them up, I'm glad to talk to them. This led to some meetings in the church office on days when the oil furnace was working and some lumbering, awkward conversation about marriage and some planning for a service to solemnize their marriage. The couple lived on the farm where the husband worked. They lived in a single wide trailer, which is a trailer exactly half as big as a double wide trailer. (laughs) Hay bales stuffed around the edges and thankfully covered with much snow for half the year mostly kept the pipes from freezing. Housing was provided for the hired man just like for the minister but the trailer was a whole lot smaller and a whole lot more dangerous than the parsonage at least in most physical ways. Milking at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. every day and work all day in between every day. You could rent the movie Frozen River and then know quite a bit about this neck of the woods. After after some talk with his wife that night and receiving the benefit of her genuine generosity and creative kindness, the minister suggested that the couple be married on Christmas Eve day at noon in the parsonage. It would be a small wedding, and as his wife thoughtfully suggested, they could put the children down for nap early and then use the piano, have some refreshments, and make something happy and pretty in and of the moment. The last day of Advent, December 24th, came, with a gust of bitter wind, a snow shower, and then a bleak, barely visible sun at midday. A little late, the bride and groom appeared, but their friends who would sign for them, the Empire State being one which requires witnesses other than the clergy, a wise requirement, had somehow not appeared. The three-year-old daughter could be heard crawling and listening from the top of the stairs. The wind blew and the snow fell. Finally, to make the matter legal, a neighbor lady was invited to come and join the service. She and the minister's wife later signed the license. The minister performed the ceremony. A carol was sung that day in Advent. The three-year-old would appear and disappear as the service progressed and appeared for good when the cookies were served. Other than the words of the wedding themselves, I do not recall that anything else was said. I refer you to the remarks made some moments ago about the paucity of speech along the great frozen St. Lawrence River. But no words really were needed. The farm wife, young and pregnant, was simply dressed in a light Her smile, her gleaming eyes, her red cheeks, her evident enjoyment of the moment, the home, and the homely setting were a full, epic poem of happy gratitude. And her husband, scrubbed and crammed headlong into a tight black suit and wayward tie, was as dignified, reverent, true, and terrified as any groom at any time in the 600 or so weddings the minister has thus far, to this date, done. Do you? I do. The three-year-old's face looked down from the stairs. Do you? I do. The piano played softly a little meditation. Love came down at Christmas. One loving neighbor, one jubilant three-year-old, one fairly green creature, and one creatively generous wife were present to attest to a wedding, a union of hearts and souls on a cold winter day in a forgotten patch of rough land, now some 30 years ago. I can see that piano, taste the cookies, hear the carol, feel the hands, sense the candles as if it were an hour ago. And in some ways, it just was an hour ago. There are a lot of fine and treasured forms of theological learning which one can and must acquire in the six brief semesters of divinity school. Moses and Jesus, Paul and John, Augustine and Pelagius, Luther and Erasmus, Wesley and Calvin, Barth and Tillich, Amun of Nitria, The Documentary Hypothesis, The Second Aorist, Filioque, and The Teleological Suspension of the Ethical. All of these And all that stands in between, one can and must receive while there is time and freedom to meet and know them. You are digging a deep well from which you will need pure water to drink and share as over 40 years you preach and try to slake the thirst of the human soul. The practice of ministry The privilege of the practice of ministry, however, is learned in the actual doing of ministry, on the piano bench, over cookies, in the small living room, at $9,000 a year, in a drafty old manse, with a toddler spying, and a tiny but ever so majestic event. Declaration of love, till death us do part. There is a temptation when one is in school to think reality begins and ends with the library or the internet or the reputation of a beloved teacher. But it is a big world out there, waiting for you, waiting for you, endlessly fascinating, strange, full of need and longing for love, longing for an experience of God. When the boots were donned and the gloves and coats put on, the bride, in the hour of her wedding, kissed the child and hugged the pianist. To the minister she gave her hand, and with that Methodist handshake gave the gift of meaning, lasting meaning, in the work and struggle of ministry, wherein one works and struggles to find and keep the grace to put oneself at the disposal of others. On the last day of Advent, on a bitter winter afternoon, at least one preacher was given the privilege of seeing the privilege of life in ministry. And something more. In the handshake, a hint of the hidden God and the gospel of divine love creating us, forgiving us, guiding us. It was a sort of Advent carol, an Advent carol lingering like lasting beauty always does in the eternity of memory. What a privilege to live and be in ministry. There is nothing like it not in all creation. What a privilege. The door closed and the minister and his wife smiled and hugged each other and sent the daughter back up to nap. Advent comes around once a year to force upon us an attitude adjustment. From St. Luke to Francis of Assisi to El Greco to Wesley to Boston University in Chelsea and in our medical center, We are being reminded of something. Our attitude is receiving an adjustment. Faithful witnesses from Nazareth to Roxbury remind us so. Jesus came out in the country, in birth, up north, among the poor, as a child. Maybe we can remember that in our time. When we learn on a televised 60 Minutes news program of children in Central Florida whose homes, whose mangers, whose night repose are in automobiles, parked outside a Walmart where a kind manager lets them be, and then they wash up for school at McDonald's the next morning, maybe we will remember. When we we recall a little boy left with a pillow and a window ajar, in an upstate New York casino parking lot while mom went to play the slots, maybe we will remember. When the costs of war, of aerial bombardment, are reported in round numbers, using the phrase collateral damage, including unnamed children, maybe we will remember. When we count 20% of the poor in this country as children, maybe we will remember. When we see flickering on the evening news a fire in a trailer or a tenement or a third-floor walk-up and think of three-year-olds there, maybe we will remember. When we strike again the balance of responsibility and compassion, liberty and justice, freedom and grace, and cast our verbal and financial and civic ballots, maybe we will remember. When the preacher says repeatedly, let those who have much not have too much and those who have little not have too little, maybe we will remember, remember, remember the manner of his advent. Outside, countryside, manger side, north side, far side, a poor, unexpected baby child. Maybe it is too much for some to agree that all should have raiment, roof, bedding, safety, a doctor when sick, a teacher when learning, a sacred space that means a safe place. Maybe you would not agree that all might so live. But could we not at least grant all of this and more to children? to those, say, 14 and younger, to those who have not had a chance to miss and mistake their chance just yet. As my parents used to say, Bob, somebody somebody, let you grow up. It didn't sound like a positive compliment to me. (laughs) Meanwhile, 30 years ago, in a modest parsonage living room, A knock came again at the door. There stood the groom, gloves off. He had something he had forgotten. He had something he wanted to give. Not to say, but to do. Not to speak, but to act. Not to describe, but to give. I refer you to the demography of verbal silence along the frozen St. Lawrence River offered some moments ago. He held out his hand with bills rumpled and folded therein. He looked down, and then he looked quickly up at the minister. And he gave me four dollars. He was truly proud to give it, and I was truly proud to receive it. I only wish I had had the sense to put the bills away as a physical reminder of that day and more as a reminder of the action required of love, the doing, the doing of good. Do you love Jesus? Then you will do something for him. At every turn as we come to Christmas, we are reminded that faith is born in the midst of trouble, like that little bit of faithfulness, do you, I do, was born on the last day of Advent so far away and so many years ago. We are reminded of the lowly entrance our Lord makes into life. That night at age three, a little girl sang in the church for the first but not the last time, a carol from the countryside, the unexpected side, the north side, whose author is so fittingly unknown. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there.
5: We come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and I invite you to remain seated or stand or kneel or come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. I will conclude each petition. Let us pray to the Lord. Please respond. Lord, have mercy. That God may bring in the kingdom with justice and mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may establish among the nations his scepter of righteousness. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may seek him in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death, Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights of the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let us commend the world which Christ will judge to the mercy and protection of God this day. Keep us, O Lord, while we tarry on this earth in a serious seeking after you and in an affectionate walking with you. Every day of our lives, that when you come, we may be found not hiding our talent, nor serving the flesh, nor yet asleep with our lamp unfurnished, but waiting and longing for our Lord, our glorious God, forever. Surely I am coming soon, says the Lord. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And we pray together in the words that Jesus taught, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, peace of the lord be always with you Amen. we greet you once again here in the nave of marsh chapel and would encourage you to uh, help us get to know you better and so that we can help you get to know one another throughout better throughout the week by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and to pass it along to your neighbor so that uh, all all may be made known we would remind, uh, remind you this week that following worship, our annual Marsh Families with Children Brunch will be held, and whether or not you have made a reservation with, for your family, you are most welcome to attend. As we come to the end of the calendar year, we most gratefully thank our many supporters and donors and encourage all as you are able to support the ministry of Marsh Chapel. If you have listened from afar to our services this year and have found them meaningful, please consider a generous gift to support our ongoing work. We would remind you, as always, to keep an eye to the chapel website for all of our ongoing services and activities, as well as the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
2: And blessed Trinity, as this day we celebrate the great trust you placed in our ancestor Mary to bear and to raise your incarnate presence into the world, so bless and multiply these our offerings back to you out of all you have entrusted to us, that the giving may become receiving and the receiving may become giving. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen.